Hi, and welcome to episode 10 of Chasing Squirrels podcast. I'm mind blown at the fact that I'm now 10 episodes in and that, you know, I've kind of made it through 10 episodes. I'm constantly trying to make these conversation moments happen with some of my fantastic colleagues and it's it's always a, a pretty cool challenge to try and coordinate it it's been mentioned before that often these podcasts you know the the sound capture of it the conversation they happen sometimes long after the kids have gone to bed and sometimes they're happening before the kids get up so I'm really happy that I've been able to make it to episode 10 and really I got I got no interest in stopping I'm going to keep having cool cool conversations with cool colleagues of mine and going going for that that answer about how my uh, my PLN is changing the face of education just one person at a time this episode is a bit of a touchstone for me. As I said, it's episode 10, and I get a chance to talk with Roland Chidiak. Roland Chidiak is a phenomenal educator, connected educator, an incredible edu-tech-no-sharer. He's got associations with Google. The dude brings all of this learning out to his PLN, shares it with his students, and he does it with style. I've always felt that Roland is in my corner whenever I have a question, and I'm sure if you were to reach out to him, he'd be more than happy, more than, more than happy to share with you. I'll also say that this podcast is in part due to Roland's support, and he's been my go-to guy whenever I've had a question. I know for a fact that you're going to dig this conversation. Enjoy. All right, welcome to Chasing Squirrels. Tonight, I have the singular pleasure of talking with Roland Chidiak. Roland, how are you this evening? I'm good, Chris. How are you doing? I am doing well. I'm doing very well. Before we get too deep into it, could you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what your current teaching portfolio is? Sure. So as you stated, my name is Roland Chidiak. And I'm currently teaching a grade four or five combined class uh, with the Waterloo Catholic District School Board. And I live in Waterloo. Um, I too am a podcaster um, and I'm loving every minute of that. So aside from the work that I do as a classroom teacher, the podcasting is my personal project and I'm really getting into that. Um, as a classroom teacher though, I really enjoy the integration of technology um, in the room. I really like to get my kids thinking differently about what they're learning, what they want to learn, um, the kind of work that they want to pump out in terms of you know, creation, and just always kind of looking for what's going what's gonna to engage them, what's going to get them going, and more importantly... What's going to get me going? Because if I go into the classroom feeling good, feeling pumped, that rubs off on them. And then when you're both feeling that way and you work together, really magical things happen in the classroom. So that's kind of um, who I am as a teacher. I, uh, I'm a father and a husband. Um, I've got two boys who are very busy. Um, we're just finishing up hockey season and I help on, help out on both of their teams. So, um, I've got that on my plate too, but, um, yeah, I guess that's in a nutshell, that's who I am. I'm going to, 
I'm going to throw something else into there that you and I have talked about in a in small pieces, but I don't think I've ever given props to you. So I'm going to do it in a great big way right now. Um, you are you are one of a, a group of people that I would say fundamentally changed the way that I connected this particular school year. Um, when I don't even remember how you and I first became connected. I remember when I first when I met you for the first time, but I don't know how it started prior to that. And I know we've had some chats and online chats and obvious chats on podcasts about having the the Twitter relationship, the likes and the comments and the um, the sort of the light version. But I felt that when I got to meet you in person, um, I felt a a bit of a tectonic shift in my perception of what it meant to be connected. When I got to meet you in person, I think that something clicked in me and it it started a way of looking at being digitally connected as equally uh, as 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 equally important as real-time connections. And I'm not quite sure if I really felt that before. Um, I had the idea of having a PLN. I understood the importance of having a PLN. And I was really digging using Twitter as uh, the sort of accelerator for that. But I got to tell you, before I actually got to meet you at that educator's exchange, I don't know if I had a clear sense of what it meant to get to know someone digitally and respect their work and then meet them in person and really get the full force of that duality that they are as cool online as they are in person. That's compliment number one, because that's who you represent to me. Um, Compliment number two is how openly then, after we met, you shared resources and you shared your mentorship. Because I will say, hands down, you are formative in what I'm doing right now. So my confidence, my interest, my creativity, my sort of like playing around with podcasting, it was something that was on the shelf in my brain three or four years. You brought it right into the garden and said, go for it, buddy. And directly in a couple, you actually, I think actually said those words, to be honest. I think actually that is, I can't quote you verbatim. I don't have the tape, but I have no doubt as I've gotten to know you more that you said something that effect, go for it, do what's right for you. Wow. Well, <laughs> let me say, <laughs> I, um, it's, uh, I really, I appreciate you sharing that and I'll tell you why. Um, well, it's a two way street, Chris. So, um, when we connected digitally, I remember, I remember getting some tweets from you. Um, I think it was about the beginning of my podcast. So um, I guess you had listened in and you had some comments, which was pretty cool because it's always exciting to hear um, from people who are listening to the podcast and to get feedback. Also, um, when I met you in real life, I felt like we already had a foundation of who we were, where we were coming from. And um, we just clicked because I guess we... You, we had things in common and, you know, we got along and that's awesome. And usually that's the way it goes from my experience. 
but you came with an openness you came with questions you came with an authenticity so it it's not it wasn't hard to connect with you it, it's not been hard to share my ideas and thoughts it's not been hard to kind of walk beside you down this road um, of podcasting and like creation and stuff it's you've made it very easy it's almost too easy which is really cool because things don't always come that easy in life rarely i guess do they come that easy so it's been my pleasure to be able to be on this journey with you um, but definitely a two-way street everything you said uh, about me i can say the same about you and i have so um it's it's a cool thing this whole this notion of being connected digitally as I heard you talking about it, I couldn't help but reflect on what you were saying and, and what it means to me. And for me, it's been a huge, uh, it's led to huge shift and transformation because I can connect with whoever I want, whenever I want digitally. I can't do that face to face. Face to face for me has become is a bit of a barrier if if for me um my goal is to connect with people face to face um it's just not going to happen because the means are not there i have a family i have a job there's all kinds of limiting factors and the people that i might may want to meet it's the same thing they have lives as well whereas um using the digital tools we have today for example social media and the internet I can reach out to whoever I want, whenever I want, and then I hope that they reach back. I've got a great example for you. Happened last night, connected with the person this afternoon, and now uh, I'm going to be leveraging a new tool with my students to help them uh, and to benefit their learning and their demonstration of learning. So a couple of days ago, I think on the weekend, there was a conference in um, California called, uh, it was called Q. Q17, I think. Yep, anyway, I saw, I saw some of the hashtag hits. Awesome. So I was following it because I, I know some of the educators that were there presenting there uh, who I've met face to face and who I know digitally. And there was a couple of podcasting uh, presentations and stuff about using audio in the classroom. And so I was all over that, like white on rice. I was just on it because it's an interest of mine and I want to soak up as much as I can. And what an awesome way to learn to be sitting in my living room or to be, um, you know, at hockey practice and be able to take out my phone and see what's going on. Like, it's just amazing. So um, I connect with a person whose name is Roland as well, but spelt differently. And then from Roland, um, I, I, and last night I connected with a lady named Audrey, Audrey Eau Claire, and um, Audrey sends I follow her she follows me back and then I look at her I read her profile and you know she um, she's involved with stuff that has to do with podcasting and audio in the classroom so I send her a, a direct message saying hey I just read your profile I'd love to hear more about the work you do with this app and next thing you know she's like what are you doing tomorrow and I'm like at lunch I'm free today we had a hangout where she told me about um this really cool app that I will have to tell you about later because it's not it's not coming Soundtrap. It's called Soundtrap. Anyway, long yeah, story short, I'm now registered to use Soundtrap. 
uh, and she's going to support me and she's instant connection, like instant connection. We, we hit it off. We got along. It was a great conversation. She tells me, she's like, you know where to find me on Twitter. If you run into any problems, just tweet me. I'm here to help. And for me, yeah, exactly. It's the most powerful thing. It's, it's an amazing feeling to not know the person, but I met her on Twitter yesterday. I saw pictures of her on Facebook and I was able to make that connection because she was, she was at a summit with people I personally know. So there's that connection. And then we have a Google Hangout where I'm talking and I'm looking at the person that I just met yesterday. That doesn't happen to me in real life. I don't know who it happens to, but to just instantly connect with someone uh, and then be able to have like a hangout for 20 minutes over lunchtime, that just doesn't happen. Because if you think about your day, if you think about your world, you're constantly doing something and you're engaged. Like when I'm at work, I'm with my students, I'm with the staff, I'm not meeting new people. Right? People aren't just walking into the building, walk up to my classroom and say, Hey, Roland Chidiak, I'm so and so. You know, I saw your car outside. Like, that's not the way it works. (laughs) But digitally, that happens all the time. That is how it works. Yeah, that is exactly how it works. I often call it the digital hallway. And, um, you know, you sort of leave having coffee from someone. And it really is. It's like you don't know if you're going to meet them face to face. But I know I'm gonna fo- I'm gonna pass you in that hashtag hallway, and and I'll say hi, and I'm gonna you know check out what you're working on, and and that's how it kind of feels. I feel as if f- for and I agree, you don't have the mobility that you feel like you have uh, being digitally connected, and when the program that I'm in is quite closed, so I don't even have a hallway. A literal hallway that I'm going to pass by staff on transition between periods so it becomes critical for me to be able to reach out and connect in moments like this and asynchronously and you know through video in order for me to um, I think in my heart grow and be able to ask questions and to be able to connect with not always like-minded people but people that are going to challenge my thinking as well um, and the whole idea of not having that at this point is I don't like that feeling. I, and I, I was listening to your podcast with Carol Salva and I actually mm-hmm. wrote a piece on this as well, talking about the, you know, kind of feeling a little bit bad for people that <laughs> aren't connected like this. And I'm not, I'm not making it trite or even sort of, uh, down the nose at it, but I really do agree with that. That there, there's value absolutely to connecting with your the, your real time physical colleagues. That's human contact. That's important. That's where you get um, a lot of the basic needs met. But when you're pursuing professional connections and you do need variety and you need contrast and you need interdisciplinary connectivity. I don't know if there's a better way to talk about accelerated learning than with what you so clearly articulated. And the last thing I want to give you, and maybe this is the, the, the real sweet spot to talking about accelerating our learning through digital means. So you are talking about this, this app that you're going to trial. You've made a direct connection with someone that's at the mothership, and you're obviously going to get support from there. I will tell you that if you connect with uh, at J Curves, 
So mm-hmm. she's somewhere in the mentors. She's already using that in her music class. Oh, okay, so right on. Now you now you have someone because of this accelerated model, connected model that is now within Ontario. I don't know where Soundtrap comes from. My assumption was that it was stateside app, but now you have someone that's actively using it in a way in a classroom that you may want to try too. Hey, thank you for that. I appreciate that. And yeah, um, reach, out, reach out to her. She's a phenomenal music teacher. She's the music head at my former, the school that I was working at uh, prior to where I am now. Um, great, sound great teacher. Soundtrap is, uh, I believe, from Sweden. I think that's where oh. the the headquarters are. And who uh, gets that? Who gets who? Who gets to say yes? I'm. I'm gonna like you. Here's a conversation that would never happen. See this cool textbook I'm using? It's from Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> exactly and so and so is going to do a google hangout with me to talk to me about it and how yeah. to use it yeah exactly right like and it, i and, yeah and I, I just, just and i just met with the president this afternoon or whatever like exactly um i just wanted i've got audrey's information i feel like i should i should give her a shout out because tag if it, it, tag it for sure okay if she wasn't as open like she literally was like hey you want to chat tomorrow I'm like, yeah, she's an edge. Her name is Audrey Eau Claire, So at A-U-D-R-E-Y-O-C-L-A-I-R. She's an educational consultant specializing in literacy, spec ed, tech and innovation. And she's the media manager for Ed Surge. Um, and she's a Soundtrap ambassador. So, I mean, you know, Audrey comes with um, like it's it's all transparent she operates for them but for me as a classroom teacher number one i don't care where you're coming from if it's going to help my students i'm going to talk to you and number two um very kind person like very authentic um you know i'm not telling you about everything we talked about but we didn't just talk about soundtrap we like talked about her work my work what we have in common like it was a good conversation for two people that i've never met before it was it was there was a flow right there was a synergy and i felt good like i don't feel like somebody was trying to sell me something i don't feel like you know i was sitting there thinking why am i wasting my time i had nothing like that it i felt good about the conversation i would like to think she felt the same way but if she didn't that's on her you know she could have easily said we're finished. I'm going to move on. Take care. Uh, but anyway, long story short, the digital connections that people don't understand, that people look at you and I and they wonder, like, these people are wasting their time. It's not been a waste of time because my growth has been amazing. My, In my opinion, my students have benefited from my growth and my students motivate me and inspire me to continue to reach out to people, to continue to... Um, help people out who reach out to me and I let my students know about that and so I'm hoping that by talking to them about this I'm modeling for them what I'd like them to do how I'd like them to go out into the world into this 21st century and live their lives knowing that they can leverage these things to improve their life and to help them improve other people's lives because I teach for a Catholic school board okay so we're a faith-based system and a lot goes with that it's not just about it's about who we are not just what we do and so i'm modeling that for them as well uh, and i'm just doing my best to live my life in today's time and who knows maybe in a year 
I'll be behind. I don't know. I don't even know if I'm ahead. All I know is I'm open to it and I'm doing my best to use it for good. And I'm showing my students that and I'm constantly talking to them about it because they they need to know. Like, for example, today I tweeted out, a, I was in my room at lunch and um, the kids were outside and I was gathering some stuff because I was leaving because my planning time was going to start. And I looked at one of the middle groups in my room and there were four cell phones just sitting on the desks. I tweeted it out. I took a picture I saw, and I, I tweeted it. Yeah. yeah. And, you know... My kids know what to do with this technology now. When it's at school, we used to lock it up. Now they're just so comfortable. They just leave it on their desk and they go outside to play. Like they don't even take it outside to to sneak in a text to their friend or anything. They literally just put them down and go about their business. And then when it's time to work or it's, you know, they'll listen to music while they work or they'll do like a quick research, whatever. To me, I tell them, I trust you. You know what to do with these things while you're in my care. And it's a respect. I show you respect. I'd appreciate it if you showed me respect with the way that you uh, use this mobile device. And it was, it just hit me. It was like amazing. And I've not been having the best week. I know it's, it's only Tuesday, but I was like, I saw it and I thought, this is awesome. This is why I do what I do. And these kids are growing and they're moving forward. Um, in today's day and age and hopefully they'll be prepared for what comes next because of what they're getting now i saw the photo and i thought it was a brilliant photo of how normalized technology should be in the classroom i almost thought to myself because it also showed the cluster of other school tools on the table and the phones just happened to be in with the group Mm -hmm. and i got two messages from it this is on the table just like any other tool for learning. The second was when you're going out to play, you don't take your phone with you. <laughs> and I thought that really is like I and whether that was intentional in what you're transmitting, I too believe in that as well. There's there's a whole lot that um that I think someone may be looking at that picture that isn't as um let's say as comfortable with using digital tools may look at that and say oh they're going to get stolen mm-hmm. or uh, which is still a possibility of course it is in the same way kids steal textbooks right <laughs> but <laughs> i just mean it is a possibility someone could see that as a value but i saw that as this is a trusting environment i saw it as these are kids that are using tools when necessary i saw it as they're going out to play it's a beautiful day why would they take their phone with them mm-hmm. and i saw it as as a, as a strong indicator of your practice that this is the way that it happens here in my classroom because you know you know if you were a student in my sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you um if you were a student in my classroom community uh you'd see you you'd look at the picture and you'd say exactly what the rest of them would say that i walk around all day telling them there's a time and place for everything and they know that now and they get that and they don't need to to take their phone out they don't need to sneak it out so they can text whoever they need to text we have this i just feel like we have we have an agreement and not every day goes well some days they do abuse the technology but it's um it's not it's not an often occurrence at all the students they take care of each other 
they know what the expectations are and they don't want things to go south because one person is making poor choices and they don't step up and help out because I expect them at this point in the school year, if you see somebody doing what they shouldn't be doing with it for whatever reason, just like sometimes they use their pencils to doodle when they should be, you know, writing their, uh, their essay or whatever, um, They'll tell each other, they'll be like, what are you doing? What do you think you're doing? You shouldn't be doing that right now. It's not the time, it's not the time or the place for it right now. And they get it. And I don't have to do that at this point. And it's fantastic because I need them. I need them to be good people. If they see something happening that shouldn't be happening, I need them to step up and as a kind human being, tell someone else what they see that's happening wrong and what they might be able to do to assist that person in making the right choice. So there are lots of layers here, lots of layers. Um, but one of them is there's a time and place for everything. The other one is that it's commonplace now for these devices to just be laying around during the school day. Now, normally we do lock them up because I do everything I can to ensure the safety of those devices while the students are uh, under my care and that's the thing if they take it outside and they drop it outside and crack the screen well that's an easy discussion with mom and dad They're, i lock them up and guess what so and so didn't want it locked up took it outside now it's broken like it's simple yeah. it's a simple consequence right i mean it's it's a major one but the students they get it especially the four students where you saw the devices these four yeah. kids they bring them every day. Like I was laughing la uh, the week before March break. I saw all the devices laying out and I just chuckled because people come into my room. Some teachers I know come into my room and just die when they see these devices everywhere. And I'm like, what about this upsets you more? Like what's what bothers you the most about this? Because my phone is out. I'm constantly recording audio. I'm constantly taking photos um of their work and what my students are engaged in because i use that information to reflect i use that information to collect data i use that information to inform my practice to improve their learning so if i'm doing it why can't they be doing it you know what i mean for sure can you can you throw down um b besides the native apps that would be on that technology do you have any ones in particular that you kind of dig using for capturing are you like like um artifactual capturing or personal reflection capturing both so well what, what do you it's, like to use i love taking pictures of them in the middle of whatever it is they're doing so it could be a discussion it could be them creating something either like paper pencil technology um, these days I just use the native um, the native voice app on my iPhone yeah. to capture conversation uh, more formally I'll bring them over to my desktop computer where I have a mic and a camera and we'll do a quick vlog and then I'll put that out to parents and I also have a blog where I put our vlogs and our audio files um, so that's that's generally what happens every now and again I'll take video like if I if I see something happening that's really awesome I will capture video of them discussing it um, or making something and talking about what they're making and why they're making it so they just they see their their teacher always has his device like today we go into the gym I grab my phone because I need to know what time it is in the gym because the yeah. clocks are all wrong 
right? So it's, but if I see something cool, like the Swish video, do you know about the Swish video? No. Okay. Tell me. Okay. So uh, I've got my iPhone in my back pocket, right? All, like yeah. most people do these days, they've got their mobile device on them. And um, we're in the gym. We just finished playing a game. And I'm putting the equipment away, and many of the students are sitting around the middle of the gym, just kind of chilling out, getting ready to go back to class. And as I'm putting stuff away, one of my students says to me, "Can I can I get a basketball and and shoot at the hoop?" And I'm like, "No, you know, it's you might hit somebody. I can't fully supervise you. Like, there's a million reasons." So he says, "Well, can I get a basketball? And when you come out, I can shoot from half court to see if I get it in." And I'm like, "You know, sure, why not?" So he gets the ball, and then he says to me, "Can I have a practice shot?" And I'm like, "Not until I get out of the storage room." So I put everything in the room, come out, and I say to him, "Okay, you get one practice shot, and then you get the real shot, and we'll see if you can sink it from half court." And um, you know, he says, well, can, can I get something if I get it in? And I'm like, what are you talking about? What do you want? And he's like, I don't know, extra computer time or something. I said, you know what? If you sink it, I'll give the whole class an extra 10 minutes of activity time or something. Like, sure, let's make it fun. Yeah. So he takes, he takes the first shot and it didn't go in. And then I may have let him have a second shot, but... It was time. And so he's kind of dribbling the ball. It's really quiet. And I'm like, I just, I got this vibe. So I pulled out my iPhone. I hit record. And he shoots and he sinks it. And I call it Swish. And it's on YouTube. It's like a six-second video. Um, and But from that video, I talked about growth mindset with the kids. I talked about failure. Like it led to so much that actually reached them in a way that I don't think I've been able to reach them all year. It's because wow. their their classmate was able to show them these things in real life and to be able to talk about, I can, I can sink that shot because this is how I prepare. I play <laughs> basketball. Exactly. So now it's a YouTube video. My rant on Rodenizer's um, Edurance was about Swish. Um, Anyway, I'll uh, I'll send you the link, but um, That's awesome. like, if I didn't have my phone with me, I wouldn't have been able to capture that. It wouldn't be on YouTube. I wouldn't be able to use it as a learning tool. I I wouldn't be able to motivate this one student. This one student, it's his pride and joy. It's six seconds on YouTube, and he is it's like, glory. it's glory it, though. It it is glory. It's for him. It's a it's an artifact of his learning of his um, physical prowess, of his sacrifice, of his growth mindset, of his failure, like everything that we want kids to understand, everything we talk to kids about um, in terms of making them better learners, better people, he has an artifact that symbolizes all of that. And uh, I'm gonna stop talking now. (laughs) No, that was was awesome, because I think that encapsulates the exact purpose of keeping tech handy in the classroom i had a moment today and sorry keeping tech handy in the classroom being aware of your go-to tools in the classroom um it's no different than in some ways making sure you have white erase markers and that your extension cords work and that you, if necessary, you have printer paper in the classroom and that, you know, your Ethernet cables all work. 
mm-hmm. there's to use your um, your blog title, the new fluency. One of the new fluency of being a teacher is the concept of juggling both analog and digital because we haven't really moved, nor do I think we'll ever completely move away from analog tools for the plain fact that your digital capture was entirely based on a really cool analog tool. You Mm -hmm. didn't do a digital capture of the kid throwing a two-point, you know, a three-point shot in NBA 2K. (laughs) (laughs) The kid did it in real time, which is analog style, but celebrating and honoring the fact that a really cool thing happened here and I want to share it out. I was Mm -hmm. thinking today as uh, Google Apps was being finicky and I have a student that right now is primarily using HyperDocs to drive their learning. It's just where they are, where they like to be, where they're successful. Mm -hmm. And of course, that's the point where the ghost in the machine kicks in and the system starts to fall apart. And I actually had a moment thinking about if there was ever a version of me that would become incredibly stressed with the fact that my technology was not working as I wanted it to, not as I understood it, but as I wanted it to. And it threw me backwards a little bit to think about, was I ever that instructor that, you know, struggled with the LCD projector or even didn't know how to change the light bulb in the overhead or wasn't quite sure how to plug in a USB stick. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it had a really, I had a kind of like a bit of a time travel moment but I, I came back to the present. I realized, no, I'm just I'm going to wait this out. And you know what? If this doesn't work, I'm going to figure out a way to do a, a face-to-face discussion, and we'll see if the system reboots. And I felt um, I felt broad in my sort of understanding of what I needed to get that lesson done. Mm-hmm. And and this is the last thing I'll say this because I, I have another question I want to get to. But the the that the comment that you had with Carol Salva about not being able to go backwards, I think often it's couched in somehow we forget what happened before, but I think getting connected and using digital is an and statement. It's not an or or a but. I will use an overhead projector. The reason I use overhead projectors sometimes is for doing not actually projecting things other than if... Um, you know, I have kids do mazes on them. So you look in through the overhead projector and you look down onto the table and the kids mm-hmm. sort of have to do a maze in reverse. So I think there's there's need for using what I would consider, let's say, older tech, which at some point was considered modern tech. But using these things that are not as efficient right now to accelerate the learning. And if you need it, grab your binder. If you need it, grab your iPhone. If you need it, grab a regular camera. But include these as options. Mm-hmm. And I think when you do that, you totally open yourself up to capturing a six-second video that is life-changing for this elementary school student in a way that, like you said, curriculum hadn't done so far. Right. And just something something clicked, right? Like they were able to get it. It's another major time that they were able to get it is when I started um, when I started comparing the way that they would uh, how resilient they had become when they were using the 3D printer and the 3D printing software. And one day I, they were working, we were doing mathematics, which is it's kind of ironic because mathematics is very much intertwined with the, the 3D work and the 3D software. But we were doing some math and the kids were really having a hard time and they were getting down on themselves and they were just being like really immature about it. And I said, 
why is it that you can pick yourself up 15 times in a row after you try to print something on the 3D printer, which is like an epic fail, and then here you're doing mathematics and you're going through like a multi-step problem and you mess up one step and you lose your mind. Like, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. What, what's the difference? What is the difference for you? And how are we going to get past that? Because what you're doing with the 3D printer is life. You're constantly going to be iterating. And so why wouldn't, why shouldn't that happen when you're doing mathematics with manipulatives or with paper and pencil or calculator or whatever? And they just looked at me. They looked at me and they were like, you're right. What is it about this that is bringing us down and we're not able to get back up the way we do with the other things? And so we learned some things there, right? Like I learned what can I do in mathematics or around mathematics that will assist you in becoming more resilient as a teacher. But what can you do as a student? Like you need to advocate for yourself. You need to talk to me about these things. Um, and so I, I get what you're saying about the technology, the modern and the old. Uh, I'm I'm a firm believer of get done what you need to get done and do it in a way that is going to help you be relatively comfortable. And I don't mean yeah. that. I don't mean that in um, discomfort is the enemy. I mean it in if you have a goal. And you're not sure how to get that goal. And then a couple of things click and you begin there. It doesn't matter where you begin. Just go. So if you need whatever you need, pencil crayons, crayons, uh, rulers, wooden ones, you know, like whatever. Get what you need and start thinking because ultimately that's the goal, right? Like when they leave my class next year and the teacher gives them um, a task and says, you know, we don't have the Chromebook so you can't use GAF. Well, I don't need all 30 of these kids to be like paralyzed and say, I don't know how to get this done. You need to get it done. You need to be able to think. And so ultimately that's the goal. But I find for me, the tech really gets them going, really excites them. And that's always a bonus, but there has to be a purpose. And another thing you'd know if you were a student in my classroom community is if somebody walks into the room and asks you what you're doing, and you can't tell them what the purpose is of what you're engaged in, then we have a major problem. I have a major problem. I tell my students all the time, um, I don't want to lose my job because you don't know what you're doing or you're messing around. There's probably a hundred good reasons why I should lose my job, and I don't want that to be one of them. And um, they get it. They get it, but more importantly, they now prepare themselves for learning. They stop and they think, what is the purpose of what I'm about to do? I need to know what my purpose is because it will help me get to my goal. So I thought I'd throw that in there as well. No, it's, it, uh, it connects with me because I've started more now. And so in high school, I went through a time where I didn't spend as much direct conversation in the difference between what you're learning and what you're doing Mm -hmm. and making the kids understand that there's a there's a vast difference there and you need to be able to articulate what it is what's happening each in one of those each one of those sectors and by being able to do so you're able to articulate how you can support your learning Mm-hmm. If you're if you're learning if you're learning about quadratics, you may pro- maybe doing um, 
formula after formula after formula is not the best way for you to learn quadratics. Maybe you need manipulatives. Maybe you need to see a video on it. Maybe you need to have a graphic. Like there's so many different ways to come at it. And I think by sort of cracking open the language and demystifying it for the students, giving them the, the access to the, that power, I totally agree. Like I do have an issue if a kid can't say to me, you know, to be able to answer those two questions, what are you learning? What are you doing? And then on top of that, why are you learning this? Which is not a backwards looking question. It's a forwards looking question as in, why are you learning this and where does it connect to your future? And then um, what are you doing and how is that supporting your learning style, your learning approach? And to be able to say, you know what, I'm coloring in the map right now, so I guess I'm learning about continents. So I'm using coloring to help. I want that kid to be able to say, I can't see these three colors, sir. <laughs> You've asked me to use 10 different colors. I can't see three of them. Or I don't have the small muscle control to outline it because you said all the continents have to be outlined in black. Mm -hmm. So it's, that's, that's key information. And I would say that I spent probably the first five, six years of teaching not understanding. Like there's some small simplicities in teaching that take a really long time for teachers to realize. Mm -hmm. I agree 100%. Yeah, I'm fortunate is that, or and maybe you are too, that I'm starting to really listen to myself and listen like, like he, trying to hear myself in the way that I'm delivering what sounds so clear inside my head. And I think where you talked about using audio reflection mm -hmm. uh, or using audio video capture, there's pretty much nothing that's more real time than that. The story changes when it goes brain to hand to pencil to paper. It doesn't change so much when you capture it in the moment with video and audio. It's a lot closer to the bone. And as far as informing what you need to do next, buddy, I don't know if there's anything better. I really don't for ourselves and for students. Mm -hmm. I What you just said about um, understanding the understanding teaching and how it works, it's uh, when you said that, it made me think like some days... I'm just begging for somebody to talk to me about the work that we're doing. And I don't mean like, I mean, people in my building, like come into yeah. my room and, and ask me about something or, or just say something to me so I can respond because it's different than when you walk into your colleague's room and just start blabbing sometimes. And I've been getting this a lot. There's a, the grade five teacher. Um, she's relatively new, so she'll come in, she'll ask questions or whatever. And I love it because it gets me thinking about my practice and it's that conversation that how do I explain this it's the face-to-face -face experience of what I get from my digital PLN you know yes. it's that real that person in front of me who's engaging me about the work or something that they see in the room or something that I've they're talking about something that I've said and they want to go deeper with it and I've been getting more of that experience with the digital and not the face to face so some days it's just like I'm starving for please can someone talk to me about this because I either want you to push back or I want you to continue to question so that I can reflect and try to think through my thinking and give you an answer and then see if it makes sense and get your feedback like it's that it's that di di that rich dynamic of the dialogue within the work that we do that we don't always get to do because we're always we're in our room teaching we're taking care of the kids we're planning we we've got a million things on our list to do that day 
and things like that just fall off the list they just don't happen so wow what you said i was like yes some days it's just about it's just about talking about the practice and whether it makes sense and why it makes sense and that feeling that you know what you're doing like you have this foundation that's solid and you build upon that foundation it's that confidence that um you're doing your job to the best of your ability, but you're still open to learning because you never stop learning. You're always improving, but you have a foundation where if somebody came and said, what are you doing? Like, why is this happening? Oh, let me explain that to you and let you tell you why. And when I discovered that, why I discovered it. Like there's, it's again, the many layers that are on top of what's happening that might look so simple to somebody or might look ridiculous to someone, but until they hear about it, until they understand where you're coming from, then there's an appreciation for what you're doing and for the foundation that you've built. I've, I, yeah, I, <laughs> I've, I've been, there's a whole lot. Like when I am in the zone with exactly, like if when I'm on point, it is messy. But I will tell you, the messy is a direct result of some deep exploration, research, and command of the rules of engagement. <laughs> the fact that I can exist in a messy state, and you've, you've, you've alluded to this, someone walking into your class and like, what is going on? The fact that I can exist in that messy state is not because I'm a messy person. It's because I understand at a fairly deep level, the nuances of the, you know, my own pedagogical style, but also like the rules of pedagogy and, you know, lesson design and expectation integration and differentiation and all of the, all of the jargon stuff that is passed along to us, it gets in there. Where, the way I measure it out is in in-time delivery and real-time delivery. So as per necessary, I will become the version of the teacher that I need to be with the students that are in front of me. Mm-hmm. And I have had classes where I can do the, the lecture and they're going to get the they're going to get the learning and we're going to get to the conversation. And I've had the kids that need to get the granola bar and <laughs> without the granola bar and the snack, nothing's happening. Mm hmm. So it's, I, I totally, it, that resonates with me. You talk about someone walking into your class and they need a map because what they see doesn't jive with what I think um, textbook versions of what classrooms still, what they're kind of being advertised as. Despite our sort of still our forays into modern learning and, and you know, the classrooms that look a lot less than like, a lot less like row on row old school 1985, 1990, 1995 kind of classrooms, that thought has roots. Mm-hmm, and to see a classroom mm-hmm. that's in full messy mode, I know I freak. I can freak people out. But it tightens up in the end, and we get places, and we get really interesting places because of it. Yeah, and I'd, I'd love to add that the being in that zone and uh being in that like experiencing that flow is not always easy like no no, it's um you know i've said to my students a lot like i'm providing you with all kinds of options and all kinds of like different ways to kind of help empower you with your learning and i'm not feeling that it's working 
And then, so I have these honest conversations with them and I tell them, I'm doing this because it's supposed to help you. And if it's not helping you, then I need to do something different. And it's really funny because some of the students will look at me and smirk like they get it. They know what's going on. They know that the the room that they're in is different than the room next door. And that's not yeah. to say that there's a problem with the room next door. It's just that I'm trying to be as transparent as I can be about my process with them because I want them to see that I am thinking about their learning. I am thinking about what is best for them. And it's pushing me to a place I've not been before and that I don't feel I don't feel good about it. So I don't go in every day and do all these amazing things for them without there being a cost. Some days it's very difficult in terms of it's hard on me because of my prior knowledge or my prior experiences, but I know what my role is and my role is to lead them to success. And sometimes that means I have to put aside my biases, um, my issues, what I think is right in order to lead them to where they need to go. But I also believe it's important for them to know what I'm thinking and how I'm feeling because I want I want to model that for them. I want them to be able to do that with me and with other people. Today, um, we were having a tense moment in the room and one of the grade five students looked at me and said, I am feeling really anxious. Mm-hmm. And then right away, we stopped what we were doing. I looked at the student, I said, do you know what you need from me right now? Like, is there anything I can do that immediately that's going to cause you to feel a little bit better? And she said something like, I just don't like what's happening in the room right now. And so I said, you're dynamic. Oh my God. Like she could feel there was, it was a tense moment we were, it was a serious tense moment. And she just looked at me. She just said it. And I was like, half of me was yes this is awesome this is what we need we don't need people flipping desks and throwing chairs we need people to be able to communicate this in a pro-social way but then i then i thought "Uh oh am i part of this anxiety and if i am then i need to do what i can do to lessen that for her so i said you know you're more than welcome to go grab a drink take a walk come back it you it will feel different in here she left i said to the kids okay whatever we're feeling right now like we need to work on it because we have a colleague who's told us this is not working it's causing her like major issues that's not cool for anybody and so let's just like let's put this down and we'll regroup and we'll deal with it at another time and they all looked and they they did it like i had 30 31 kids acknowledge what i said and show major respect for one of their colleagues, their classmates. And when she came back, you know, she said, I was I was breathing. I went for a walk. I'm good now. Um, and I said to the whole class, this is what we're here for. Ultimately, this is what we're here for, to learn how to be, to learn how to respect each other, to learn we're not alone. And sometimes the things we do are going to cause people difficulties. And if we can, oh, if we can avoid that or work through it, we're all going to benefit. And so that was like the highlight of my day, but it came from darkness, right? Like it didn't come from a a great Disney moment. It came from a really bad moment, but it led to some amazing on the spot learning that they're going to use, I hope for the rest of their lives. And as you started with this, 
it wasn't easy. You started from a spot that, like, it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't planned. You definitely, you made an amazing connection for the child, for yourself, for the class. But that's not easy. That's definitely not easy. And when you get there, though, the payoff, payoff's huge. Mm-hmm. The payoff really is huge. I, I wanted to I wanted to ask you there's I really have very few specific questions but one of the ones mm-hmm. that I've I've been curious about is so you're what are you are you are you 40 episodes deep into your podcast now is it about yes, 40, 40. I, so you're 40 deep now and I have come to accept that in my pursuit of sort of like of throwing down podcasts that at some I've had I've had touchstone moments where the conversation just it gets in because there's an element of this where in honoring the the person that I'm talking to you 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 become reflective in real time and that's problematic because then you start to lose you know lose sight <laughs> of the conversation and and it's so important to to stay present in 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 this and I think you and I talked about it at some point before. Maybe we did the, a Google Hangout. And it really is easier to stay focused when there's a picture of someone's face up in front of you the whole time. And you're sort of like there's video footage. There's a different flow that happens, a different vibe that happens when it's just voice. Mm-hmm. But there's also a really sweet purity about it that without, I'll say, without the, the need to focus on someone's face you focus on the words and if you can stay in the words awesome if the words create reflection and they take you somewhere that's cool too you just have to make sure you're tracking off the conversation that when they say and what do you think chris i'm like um uh <laughs> so what i what i'm curious about what this is all leading up to is that so being 40 deep that is a i'm going to say conservatively conservatively that's 40 hours of your time and I and I know exactly what I'm saying because I know that you've <laughs> talked about before the grind. Uh-huh. Um, one of the things that I've come to see is that for an hour podcast, I think I've knocked it down to about two hours, two to three hours of post production mm-hmm. or pre production. So, if you're to say forty hours, if you're to sort of and and you can say no, that's not right. But let's just say forty hours of learning you've gone through. Um, specifically in your interactions with all the amazing people that you've spoken to, what's gotten in? Do you have a, a moment where you think to yourself, wow, that I cannot walk away from that knowledge. I can't let go of that. And it's sort of still kind of connecting with you. That's a great question, Chris. Really good question. And um, I have to say, that I really, truly feel blessed and honored to have been able to um, be able to go um, 40 episodes because that means that a whole whack of people have taken time out of their lives Mm -hmm. to engage me in discussion about um, what motivates them, what inspires them, the awesome work that they do, and the story that they have to tell. And so the biggest takeaway, I would say, as as you're, you know, prefacing your question and then you just gave it to me wow i've got this really amazing appreciation for people and how kind people can be and i know that might sound kind of corny but 
that's really what I what I've t- what's really stuck. Like aside from a lot has stuck. Like stories, um, advice people have given, um, listening to what motivates them, what gets them going, what gets them to do the things that they do. Those for me are like the little things. They seem like the big things when you're doing them. But when you ask me this question, I take a step back. Those are the little things. The big things are the human connection, the trust, the time, the energy, all those things going into sitting down with me and having a conversation. That has been the biggest thing for me that people... People are engaging me in something that um, I've asked them to do for me. And at the end of the day, you know, I've had a few people say, okay, so like, what's the goal here? What are you going to be doing with this? And I tell them the goal is for me to learn from you and for me to create this content that is available to anybody who wants it. That's the goal. Um, and so I, I'm, I just, I'm honored, like truly, because I, I would never have been able to do this face to face, you know, Hey, Chris, let's, uh, let's meet up at my place and you live like an hour away from me. Right. So drive yeah. down here for an hour, let's chat for an hour and then get back in your car and go. So you're going to leave your family. You're going to, you're going to, your whole life's going to be kind of, you know, tipped upside down to to do this for me. Well, again, we go back to the technology. It's available for people to do in their house, on the go, wherever, whatever. And and I'm just, I just can't get over how awesome people are at the core. They're just good people and they want to learn and they want to spread the learning and they're kind, like they're engaging me. So, mm-hmm. That's been my biggest takeaway and it continues. Like I'm even the people who say the people who don't say yes to the podcast for whatever reason, even they've taken the time to read my messages to them, telling them what I do, what I'd like to do, inviting them to participate. Like for me, it's just huge. It's just huge because I know how busy people are. I know it's nuts. Like I'm not, I'm not really a busy guy, but I have kids. I have a wife. I have a job. I have my personal projects. All that sucks up time. I need to sleep and eat and exercise. So now that I think about what I said, it sounds really corny, but if you could, you know, go into my brain and go to the part of me that feels good about people giving me their time and just being kind to me, it's it's an amazing feeling that I just can't shake. And that's what sticks out the most. That's the big picture for me. Um, I don't for a second think it's corny. And it's not because I've drank the Kool-Aid too. And I'm, you know, feeling that, uh, that need to sort of reach out to people. Sometimes cold calling. Sometimes it's people that I've been connecting with for a long time sometimes it's people that i have absolutely no digital connection to whatsoever but i just really feel like their story their their experiences more people should hear about it and i and i try and find that balance between honoring the story and promoting like trying to get that person like i want to know more and it there's it's always a delicate balance between the two 
and you know like I was mentioning in before we hit the record is that I've found that I'm slowly moving back from like I have the the questions I think I shared that with you back in the day like a whole structured question sheet <laughs> and I think that that's important for me to have when I look back at that as part of my process I think mm-hmm. now that it was necessary for me to start my thinking and to give myself touch points but the more that I I've looked at it a few times and a lot of a few people have said wow they're really great questions but I don't know if they lead to great conversation mm-hmm. and that's the thing that I'm slowly learning in this pursuit is yes an appreciation for the kindness for the people that say yes and a deep respect constant respect for those that say no and still to honor the fact that I am interested and I'm here whenever if your you know perspective changes mm-hmm. and also loosening up and staying in the moment with the conversation where just cool stuff will only come out if the speakers feel like they're in a trust a trusting environment and they're interested to talk and I think that's I think you also hear that in the podcast too, because I've listened to podcasts where it really does feel like an interview, not a conversation. And I'm not saying one's better or worse. I just know that I'm more comfortable now with the conversation. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I um, the, um. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, for me, <laughs> it's a balancing act, right? Like some people will say, "Okay, well, what are you gonna ask me? Can you tell me?" Yeah. And I, I give them a general, like, these are the two or three things that I'd really love to know. But I would, whatever your story is, I'd like to run with it. Like, if you say something that totally grabs me, I want to talk about it. I'd like to explore yeah. it with you. Um, and then there are some people that are like, let's just do this, man. Hit the, hit the record button. Let's just talk. And it's like, awesome. Let's just talk. Let's just see where it goes. Um, I get that. And I try to honor everybody's... I Because they're taking their time to spend it with me, I do my best to honor it. But um, I don't feel comfortable when it's more like an interview. I prefer to have a conversation. Um, but ultimately, if I care about the person's story, then it doesn't matter how it comes out because that's the ultimate goal is to tell the story. It's true. And I've found myself doing the research. There are people that I've just, I've noticed online and they stay in the back of your brain. It's like, you know what? Like, I really like what they're posting. I, I, I like some of the articles. So the stuff, the, the uh, media that they've created, I like the media that they're sort of sharing. So this, it sort of is reflective of the things they're creating. And it starts to lead you down that path of, wow, I wonder what it'd be like to meet this person in real life. Mm-hmm. digital real life let's say because as you said you know it's not like you can travel everywhere and I find that has become more of my process who am, who do I who am I noticing why am I noticing and what more do I want to find out that won't come out in 140 characters mm-hmm. and I've done the cold call and I have a few people that I've connected with that I am really excited about talking to some of these people that I have absolutely no connection to but I feel there's something there. Like I, it's that weird kind of like you suspect like this is going to go that there's something there and Mm -hmm. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that. And that's again, a bit of that comfort zone to get into. I'm finding with the podcasting that 
um, taking that chance can produce pretty cool results sometimes. Do you have anybody that in your podcast that you you um that you took that 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 big chance on in the conversation like you really didn't think it was ever going to happen? Like you just it, it just seemed like it was there was so much work, there was so much set up, it was sort of but then the payoff was pretty cool. That's a great question. Um and I don't know if I can answer that like on the spot. I know that okay. yeah, because it's I'm 40 deep, right? So yeah. I just feel like... That's a lot uh, of content. That is. Yeah. That's a lot of content. Every single one has been awesome in its own right. Um, but I mean, I guess if I had to answer the question, I would say that um, a po- the podcast that happened that I thought could easily not happen was with um, Jamie Cassop, the mm-hmm. Google evangelist, because mm-hmm. Jamie's constantly traveling and, um, and, you know, some of the other guests I've had on, they travel as well, but not to the same extent as Jamie. Like if you follow Jamie on Facebook and Twitter, he's constantly all over the place working. And yeah. um, when I reached, and I wanted, he's got a great story. Like he came from nothing and now he's something. Um, and that's the people will debate whether what he's doing now is something or not. But for me, it's that going from rags to riches. And he's, I don't think he's rich, but what I mean is he's just come from poverty and a place where, you know, he was worried that he wouldn't survive, like that he'd lose his life uh, living where he was living. And now he's going around talking about the power of education and uh, the power of the internet to help uh, our students move forward. And I just didn't think Jamie would have the time to talk to me. And I wasn't that deep in my podcast when I when I hit him up. But I think that's around like podcast 12 or 13. Like you were sub 20, I think, at that point, weren't you? Yeah, yes, I was. And it was, it was early. So, yeah. but you know what? He was more than happy. I even had to cancel our original time because I had... Um, technology issues and I'm like okay this is it this guy's not going to he's not going to let me do this again after negotiating you know a time and a day he was more than happy to accommodate and but again so you know Jamie's got a fan for life in me because he this person in this position um, of authority so to speak in ed tech and education he took the time, he gave me the time of day. He was very gracious, very respectful, when he could have been a total jerk if he really wanted to be. Now, having said that, I've not experienced anybody being a total jerk. Um, But like I said, some people for one reason or another can't do it or don't want to, and I, I respect that. Nobody's been rude about it. But he did not have to, nowhere near having to do this, and he did. So... You know, it's hard for me to single one person out because everybody that I've approached, like I've genuinely wanted to sit down and talk to them. Uh, But Jamie strikes me as a very, like he's got a lot going on. And, and like you said, I was, I was under 20. So if he looked at my blog, which I referred him to, he could have been like, dude, you just started, you know, what, (laughs) what are we going to talk about? Like you have no foundation. Um, you know, 
you're using probably like the weakest mic in the world kind of thing. But he didn't come at me like that at all. He showed me great respect and uh, he was more than happy to tell his story and to share his perspective on motivation and inspiration. Yeah, and it it came out in the interview, um, your connections, um, sorry, wrong word, in the conversation it came out. Um, That was one of the podcasts I remember... I remember, it's funny, I remember less less about the podcast. I had the shape of the podcast, but mm-hmm. I remember where I was and walking home from work because it was in the fall when I listened to it. The weather was still beautiful. And uh, I think I, I listened to that sort of in, in early October, walking to pick up my kids. And I thought to myself as I was listening to it, I'm like, this guy's talking to someone at Google. Like... <laughs> Who gets to do that? And, you know, as I'm thinking about how slow our board was to integrate with gaps and how, uh, or the gaff, I guess some people call it too, but just, you know, you sort of get this place, like I'm using tools that this guy has sort of played a part in evangelizing or saying, this is like the next thing. Like he's been a part of this and I'm using it way out on the, you know, I'm being wagged, I'm way out on the end of the tail, so to speak. But I thought like, good for you, buddy, like teacher talking to this tech guru and I thought that was also a bit of and I don't know if we had had the 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 CA meeting or if it was soon after that but I think it was that thing that kind of started to sort of really crystallize that seed in me that that made me think I can just ask people if he can talk to the person from Google I can at least get a few people to talk to me on my podcast. <laughs> so that just kind of occurred to me now. And I, and I can remember that I tried J, the, the actual CASUP combo. I think it took me a few times to listen to just because I kind of started and then life took over and in, in bits and pieces. But I remember him being incredibly kind and willing to sort of talk and share his life story like openly and constructively. And I thought, wow, that is a powerful conversation. That is a very powerful conversation. It yeah, it's uh, he was very authentic, very honest, and like just totally like you know. And he wasn't one of the people that said, um, you know, what are the questions going to be? He's yeah. like, no man, let's let's have a conversation. He was all over it, but that just goes to like a confidence about him, um, a trust, the same kind of thing as me. Like someone taking the time to just want to talk to him. He really, it seemed like he really appreciated that, and um, he probably he might not get that a lot, you know, because he's on stage and he's keynoting and he's speaking mm-hmm. to lots of people all the time and he's active on social media and he he's not afraid to say what he wants to say like he just says it he's like that's the way he rolls um and good for him you know um so yeah like now you've got me reflecting on that talk and i'm still (laughs) i'm still really honored i um how many have you done now where where are you at I will in the next only because I have like the grind, right? It's funny how you get capture and then you get processing. So um, probably let's say this time next week, I'll be at 11. Okay. I'll be at 11 podcasts of my own. And then I started the two, my kids podcast. They wanted to do one. (laughs) Which is fantastic. (laughs) I heard your daughters. It's totally jokes. eh? Like they're hilarious in their interaction. I had a smile on my face the whole time because it, it just brings me right back to like just the power of audio, yeah. the power of conversation, just amazing stuff. But you've been hitting it hard. 
Like, I you'll be at 11, but you're really putting in the time. Like, I listen, I listen to your podcast, and like it sounds pro, and not not to say that it Thanks shouldn't, but it it sounds legit. You ask great questions. You've got awesome guests. Like, I can't wait to see and hear what it's like when you hit 40 because it's wow it's it'll i i i i feel it there i can't imagine it because i because it's sort of like that'd be by like could you have imagined hitting the 40 if you knew the legwork that it would take to get there do you know what i mean because it's that it's that multiplier right you have 40 hours in but i'm guessing it's probably at least at 120 hours to get that out yes like with the legwork and the planning you know what I've started doing, and I don't want to. I, I don't know how much time we have, but I, I need to tell you this because this is okay. Be, okay. So you and I have talked about the grind, and so for your listeners that aren't familiar, for me, yeah. when I talk to someone on the podcast, I spend you know forty five minutes to an hour, and we chat. But then after, there's the post production, um, just listening to it again, making sure it's legit, making sure I'm honoring what the person has said, cutting things out that don't make sense or you know dead air, whatever, and yeah. adding a little bit of music here and there. But um, that grind, it was like. Um, it was like sweet misery. Like I have yes. to, I have to do it to get to yes. the other side, and I don't hate it because I enjoy getting to the other side. But what's happened over the past forty, and so I'm talking to you now on your podcast, and I'm at forty. But we probably talked about the grind back when I interviewed you, which I don't even remember when that was. But it was back in the you day. You honored me with that. It was like. I got in on like episode seven, I think. Like you, it was really early. You got, I was, I was, you into talking to me. I was like, what? Sure. Why not? See, that's the thing. People do that and that bothers me. That bothers me. That's a pet peeve of mine. People are like, why do you want to talk to me? Because I feel like there's something about your story that I really like and that I really want to explore and share with other people. That people who tell me, Roland, I got nothing to talk about. I'm like, can we just have a conversation? Like, just sit down and have a conversation with me. I will record it and you will see what it'll turn into. Okay. Anyway, Mm -hmm. that's an aside. But the grind, the grind has now become, I I might need to change the name because now when I sit down to do post-production and write the blog, I grab myself a nice cold beverage, a snack, (laughs) Uh, no, yeah. I, and I'm not. I'm not talking about an adult beverage. I'm just talking about a nice. I get myself set up at the computer. I've got like a. I see it. I really look forward to it. And so yes. maybe I need to revisit the word grind. I don't know if that's too harsh at this point. But when I was doing Andrew Campbell's post production the other day, I was I I was giddy. So I got to talk to him one night and then I was giddy to get back to the computer to listen to the audio so I could write my blog. But I was like, it's become kind of a tradition for me to enjoy myself through the process because I can, I, it can be miserable or I can be really cool about it. And so I had a, I had a pop, I had a snack and I listened to it and I enjoyed it. And I always enjoy it the second time around, but something's changed Something's changed. It's not it's not the battle that I have to fight to win the war. It's more like 
the general sitting and looking at the map and being proud of the troops that are going to go out and do the work for him. It's really weird. Anyway, so um, at this point, it's like I look forward to that time because that time leads to something in the end that hopefully everybody's proud of. Mm -hmm. I think also what you're speaking to is the experience without being able to sort of say that you've learned a lot about your own process. You now it's, it's the muscle memory, digital muscle memory or, 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 you know, editing muscle memory, the decisions come, they could still be hard decisions, but seeing them for what they are becomes easier because you now understand your flow, your sort of philosophy, your kind of angle, and and it's you're still creating your art that's authentic to you. Mm-hmm. But I think because it's worked into a point, you're able to make better plays, right? The glove's worked in. You're still catching the ball. You're just able to sort of flow and throw it back to second a lot faster. So... Yeah, it's it's and it's show it actually it shows in it shows in your conversations that you have an an ease about you that um it I think it 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 helps the conversation a lot. I think it does. I think it helps it helps everything about the tone and the flavor of of what you're chatting about. Can I can I throw one down on the tail end before mm-hmm. we wrap up? Of course. So as a teacher and a podcaster, so I have to put those two things together. Um, are you aware of the moments where what your, the, the signals that you're sending out that they're arriving somewhere and that they're being kind of noticed and learned from? So it's kind of like, are you aware of an audience out there? Not as in you're playing to them, but that they're coming back and saying, wow, that was really thoughtful. Cool. I'm going to try that. Where are your touch points where you know your audience is listening? Have you had any moments? I've had several moments. Um, I've had people directly reach out to me and say, I just heard episode whatever, and it was amazing, and I really liked it when this happened or that happened. I've had people um, kind of... Well, okay, so there's always the direct the direct reach, and there's not too much of that, but there's enough that I know people are listening. Then there's the odd tweet here and there where someone will, will retweet, um, because that's primarily how I get out my information. I tweet it out or I put it on Instagram, but I get a retweet with a comment that says like, oh, you got to listen to so-and-so on Roland Shidiac Connects because they talk about this, and that's kind of like how we're moving in our district or, or something like that so i am i am getting i'm getting hits on the blog so when i'm in the blog writing i will look at the stats and i see that it's getting hits so people are visiting people are checking it out um and you know what it feels good because just like when i started blogging i'm not i'm not doing it I'm not doing it for people to come and check it out. I mean, that sounds so backwards, but I'm doing it ultimately because I want to be doing it. And so whether people listen to it or not, in my mind, I'm creating this wonderful content that is there so that if anybody wants it or if I need to refer to it, it's there. I, I, I'm like a collector in a way. 
I like, and I've, I've transferred that into blogging, podcasting. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to collect these moments in time that I can look back on and have good thoughts about, make connections to, use in the future. It feels like I'm doing something bigger than what I do every day, which is, sounds weird as well, because every day I hope that I'm shaping lives for the better but i just i just i feel like i want to create i feel like i want to i want to put stuff out there but if people don't look at it that's okay because ultimately it's more for me than it is for them in a really selfish way so i don't i don't really know if i answered your question or not but i know that as i think about what you what you asked it just naturally led me to explaining it the way that I did. Mm-hmm. No, I um, I think I come from a similar place. I don't have a clear sense. No, do I have like a concrete sense of who's out there listening? Um, I've pulled back a little bit from the blogging part of it because I find like I, it's almost like the podcasting for me is a separate animal from what I blog about. Mm-hmm. And I haven't found a way to make those two two things dance together. So they're just kind of separate, and I'm okay with that. The podcasting, for me, I totally agree with you on it, is that I have accepted that this could entirely be my own reflective practice. And I'm mm-hmm. okay with that. And if someone reaches back and says, wow, that was really funny, or who is that person you were talking to again? Or uh, today, someone said, are those your children on the trail mix podcast i'm like yeah they're like oh my gosh it was so funny and i think to myself that's 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 i will take that and i will and i will uh cherish that and i will be so thankful that somebody noticed but i'm not in a place where i'm driving at that Mm -hmm. i just i feel it i feel a compulsion uh to sort of talk to people about their edu stories and their stories of change within education and how they're kind of leveraging change. And as I asked you, how do you know that the system is kind of like echoing back to you? Are the, is it, is it, is it honoring you for your sort of your efforts? And I think for everybody that I talk to, they'll have a different site. They'll have a different way to sort of measure that. And all of them will be correct. If you feel like the systems that you work for and the people that you work with are respectful to you and kind of giving you a thumbs up, everyone's going to have a different uh, place where that lands. Are you getting the feedback? Are you getting people reaching out to you about your podcast and um, the content that you're putting out? Are you are you hearing from people through Twitter? I do. I do. I get comments back through Twitter. I do. Um, I've never. I don't think I've ever included on any of the sort of the closing on the podcast. Please, you know if you like what you heard because there's you, you, in going into this there's a lot of sort of templates you can use as far as what your intro is going to be and how you're going to slide your music in and how you're going to slide your music out and if you're going to use little quotes in the beginning like there's lots of little ways that you can grab other people's style one of the things i notice some people include is if you like what you heard please leave a, a positive review on itunes mm-hmm. and i've never i've never gone there i just feel like i put it to itunes because that's a audience base where more people can grab it it's a convenient place for people to Mm -hmm. grab it um but i've got i've received positive feedback for um 
from uh, from Twitter from people saying that was cool or yeah I like that person too or I like what you sort of said about I will say as far as intensity of feedback hands down my kids two podcasts my kids two podcasts of trail mix has mm-hmm. gotten more positive like straight up positive that was so cute like people just like oh my gosh that was awesome so kudos to my kids for wanting to give it a try um, <laughs> they're, but they're they're trending higher than me I think right now but that's okay too because it's I love playing with them that way right yeah for sure dude that's all I got for you and I don't mean well, that's all as in as in um as in I actually had a limit <laughs> but um we we did good we did good on the clock you're my you're my official uh, benchmark oh. for intensive interesting and uh the all-in-one this was the full buffet friend <laughs> the full buffet well the listen buffet. i have to tell you i've really enjoyed it and thank you for taking the time to to chat with me like you know i love this stuff i'm eating it up these days and um i'm honored that you would consider talking to me um because you know i don't want to bore your <laughs> your listeners i don't want them to be turned away from you at such an early point in your podcasting career but hopefully um hopefully people will take something away from our conversation and um like i said it's been a real pleasure getting to know you um i do consider you a friend so we're past Mm -hmm. the digital phase Uh, it's too bad we weren't able to get together over the spring break but you know what it'll happen some point i will i just think um you know it's people like you that uh help inspire me and so oh no problem it, it's important that we have those people and it's important that we continue to connect. So, um, you know, props to you for taking this on and for jumping into something that you've always wanted to do and something about, you know, um, the time that it started just worked for you. It you know, mm-hmm. it, it flew through you and you were able to start doing it. So major props to you and uh, thanks again for having me on and, and talking to me. Very welcome. And do you can be found where? If people are looking, where would you like them to find you? Well, they can find me on Twitter at rchids, which is R-C-H-I-D-S. Um, you can check out my professional like teaching blog. It's newfluencies.blogspot.com. And uh, you can also check out the podcast. Um, it's called Roland Chidiac Connects on iTunes. And um, if you don't have iTunes, then it's on the net at rchids, R-C-H-I-D-S, podcast.blogspot.ca. Those are the best ways to connect with me. Cool, man. I love this. This is a great combo. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Talk to you soon, buddy. Yeah, have a good one. You too. Good night. Thanks for checking out Chasing Squirrels Podcast. You can find more episodes on iTunes. I also help my kids out with their podcast, which is called Trail Mix. That's also a part of the Chasing Squirrels Podcast collection on iTunes. If you choose to check me out on Twitter, you can find me at Chris J. Clef. And I also have a blog on Blogger that is of the same name, Chris J. Clef. Thanks for spending time with me.